the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Great to be with you today. Number is 888-528-2557. We're here for hour two. We're on each and every day from 3 to 5 p.m. Dodger pitcher Clayton Kershaw will be on with us to talk about uh, Christian Faith and Family Night coming up uh, this Sunday, July 30th, and uh, what that's going to be about. And we look forward to that. You know, in uh, in ministry, I have uh, communicated very well at certain times and uh, very poorly at other times. And uh, I suppose that happens. You know, I'm on the air every day, right? Sometimes I say things and people write me and go, what did you mean by that? And uh, sometimes it is what I meant. Sometimes it's just like, wow, you got that out of what I said? And that happens when you preach, too. You say things, and you got to be really careful. I've been thinking about, you know, are we are we self-critical enough in even the way we share the gospel? What What brings that up is I'm astonished, actually, when I watch certain things in politics and people trying to get uh, communicate certain things. So one of the things that the, the Biden administration is going to do, and I, I try to pull back sometimes and just go, okay, this, I don't want to look at this through, you know, left or right lenses. I just want to look at this through political consultant lens. And I think, what are the behind the scenes conversations? Years ago, I got to be on some campaign staffs and I worked in those behind the scenes conversations. And sometimes you communicate things really well, and sometimes it just comes out poorly. And when it does, sometimes you don't realize it. Sometimes you say things and you don't realize that what you're saying is not communicating what you think. Uh, the Biden administration is trying to communicate that he is some kind of master of the economy. And they're frustrated now that his uh, approval rating, is particularly on the economy, is very bad. This was CNN um, griping about this. In something titled, Why is Joe Biden so unpopular? Andrew Romano writes that at this point in his term, Joe Biden is the second most unpopular president in modern U.S. history. Jimmy Carter was the first. Romano cites polling data from 538, where Biden's approval rating 910 days into his term stood at just 39 percent. And they're wondering why, because there are some economic numbers that if you just take a snapshot of the economy from 2021 until now, there's certain things that look really good if you don't compare it or you don't consider what else was going on. Lots of more people working, you know, unemployment rate plummeted. Uh, there is, you know, lots of jobs created, all of that. And that would look really good, but for the fact that everybody knows that the reason all those jobs came back was because they were all lost the year before to COVID. And it was just the reopening. And, you know, I thought to myself, why does he keep trying to take credit for something that everybody knows was really because of COVID? He could come out and say, I managed the recovery well. You know, if I was advising him, I would say, why don't you come out and say, hey, you know what? This was an unprecedented crisis and we lost all those jobs and, and 
Uh, people lost their careers. They lost their businesses. People moved. People died. There were so many things that went wrong. Uh, we needed to get back up on our feet to where we were the year before the, the COVID hit. And I did a pretty good job with that. That's what I think he ought to say if I were sitting in the room advising it. But that's not what's being said. That's being ignored. It's the idea that somehow he's uh, FDR or other people. This is Nancy Pelosi talking about this. The Quinnipiac poll this week found nearly six in 10 Americans still disapprove of his handling of the economy. Why is that? And what does he have to do to turn that around? Well, a lot of it's about messaging, of course. Uh, I'm so proud of this president. In the two years that we were in the majority working with him, he broke all records uh, on the level with a Lyndon Johnson or uh, a um, Franklin Roosevelt in terms of the caliber of legislation that he passed. What exactly did he do, I'm wondering? Lyndon Johnson, uh, you know, and the there were so many things, whether you like it or not, he passed, a, he got a lot of things through the Congress, far more than Biden. In fact, in the Lyndon Johnson Library, you can go in there and there is this huge wall of all the pens where he signed all of the legislation with, uh, you know, that he did. And, you know, some people think that that's why we're in debt today and other stuff. But whatever the case is, at that time, it seemed like a really big deal. Great society is what he talked about. You know, FDR, all of the stuff, you know, what? I don't even know what she's talking about here, really, except for the line that all these jobs have come back after the COVID. Into for the good of the people, lowering prescription drugs, uh, again, cutting in half, as you indicate, cutting in half unemployment. So why is it cutting in half unemployment? But everybody knows that unemployment was crazy because of the COVID. It's just a it's a mitigating it's a factor here, right, that that that's actually what happened. And what's weird about this is to me is that I think everybody knows this. So the reason he's not getting credit for that is because everybody knows that unemployment went high because of the COVID shutdowns. That Everybody knows that. Uh, she continued. The American Almost 14 million for. jobs. It, it has to be messaged. It, it is a, a legitimate question. I ask myself all the time, too. She asks herself why it has to be messaged, and they're calling it a messaging problem. You know, it's it's the messaging problem is, is you're communicating something that's not true and everybody knows it. That's the messaging problem. You're communicating it. You're trying to take credit for something that you could say. I really think he ought to say, if I were advising the president in his campaign, I would say, hey, you know what? This is a terrible crisis, and we managed this. Look, 14 million jobs have come back, and those jobs could have been lost for years. You could probably stretch it, politicize it in different ways, but to just act like the COVID never happened— and to act like, uh, you know, that, oh, the last president was so bad, all those jobs went away and look at the deficit and all this. And you go, but everybody knows there was the COVID and the government response and the shutdowns. I just look at this and I go, that is, are we going to buy that? I don't think we are. That's why the polls are so bad for him. This president did such a remarkable job. He is a person of such knowledge, such vision for the country, such knowledge of the issues, such strategic thinking and such a legislator, and on top of it all, a person who connects with the American people. He just has to get out there. <laughs> if you connect with the American people, it doesn't just have to get out there. Ronald Reagan connected with the American people. That's why he was the great communicator. Bill Clinton connected with the American people. That's why, you know, he was the the new Democrat. And, you know, all of there are things that could be 
can be said about other people. And I don't even mean to be criticizing of Biden. And once again, I'm stepping back and I'm saying as political advisor, what would I be saying here? And then I want to step back and go, okay, what kinds of things do we communicate as Christians that we think are coming across well, but they're not? Got any thoughts about this? 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. You know, one time I was given a sermon and we were proposing a vision for a lot of change. And change is hard. Uh, change is hard for a lot of churches. It's hard for all of us. The older we get, it's harder to change also. And I don't know if that's true or not. Somebody once told me that the reason it's hard for us, harder for us to change when we get older is because the creative side of our brain starts to give way more to the memory side of our brain as we get older and trying to hold on to our memory. And so it's harder to change because it's harder to see what the what you know a new vision would be like and so that's it's one of the reasons it's hard to change it's hard for churches to change it's just it's just part of the human problem but you got to change you got to be adapting to the culture that you're in otherwise you're not going to be effective as a believer you're not going to be effective as a president either you're not going to be effective as the leader of your company or the leader of your office or the leader of your family you've got to address the world that you're in and you've got to be able to change meaning uh, change your approach thing. You know, as a dad, there are all kinds of things. I was talking to somebody this weekend about, well, things we just didn't have to deal with, you know, anything related to the internet, not there. So no internet porn, no internet addiction, no YouTube, you know, nothing that's, you know, good, bad, or indifferent that our kids are so, you know, attached to. That wasn't even a thing, right? So you have, that wasn't even a thing a few years ago. You have to, but if you're going to be a parent in 2023, you better be thinking about those things. You better understand those things. Same is true as a church. If you're trying to minister to a culture that is on AOL dial-up in their internet from the 1990s, you're not going to reach them. Uh, you won't. Anyway, I was given this sermon, and I said a couple of things that I think Christians need to hear and that Christians need to understand. You know, one of them is sometimes we tend to own our church. Pastors can do this congregants do this. We've been in a church for a long time, and we see it as our church, right? We see it as, you know, the pastors can do this. This is my church. They put my name out on the sign and this and that. Or a lot of people who go to the church, right? It's their church. I was in a church one time where a new pastor came, and somebody stood up and said, Pastor, uh, my family's been in this church for generations, and we're going to be here long after you're here. And the whole thing was about, so you have to do what we say which is completely unbiblical and just wicked, right, really. It's just that's not what the church is. The church belongs to Jesus. And the church that belongs to Jesus needs to minister to the people that Jesus is putting around you at the time. Anyway, so I give this sermon. And uh, there's a couple things that are true that I think need to be said. One of them was that wherever your church is located, you should be making an impact in that community. You know, some of you go to churches where you're far away from any freeways or transportation, and probably the only people coming to your church are people who live nearby. But some people, particularly in Southern California, a weird phenomenon is that if you if your church is right next to a freeway, well, you might bring in people from all over the place, you know, 45 minutes away. I had people coming over an hour. I never understood this. I like those people, but why do you drive an hour every Sunday here? Uh, so you have to deal with that. Well, our church was dealing with a lot of people traveling from pretty far away, uh, but not as much impact in the neighborhood. So I said, we need to be a church that makes sure that we're impacting our neighborhood, that we care about the people who live here, whether they come here or not, they should be glad that our church gathers here. 
And then I also said this. I said, and I got this from a mentor, uh, and I like it, but maybe it didn't come across so well. You know, I said, all of us, none of us are in the last church we're ever going to be in. Meaning, I said, at some point, all of us are going to be called away from the church that we're in. Do you understand that? That's true. That is true for all of us, by the way, most of the time. Uh, the number, by the way, is 888-528-2557. Whatever church you're going to probably is not the last church you're going to attend in your life. Because even if you stay in the same church until you're really old, and I said, you know, probably the last church you're ever going to attend is the church at the end of the hall at the home where they put you, or you're going to be taken to the church because you're living with your parent, your kids or grandkids, and they're going to take you to uh, their church and you're going to hate the music and you're going to hate it. You know, that's, that was the, the line. But somehow what got heard, and I wanted to say, hey, you know what, this isn't about us. We need to make sure that we're paying attention to the calling that God has given us and all of those kinds of things. However, it came across, what people heard was, oh, if I don't live in this neighborhood, you don't want me to come to this church. <laughs> That's what I communicated to a few people. Now, some of those people were looking for a controversy, just to be honest with you. But some of them were like, no, that's what we heard. Uh, and I went back and I listened. It's not what I said, but I could see where they, where they got that. We have to be careful with how we communicate with each other. And I gave you that example just because I, you know, I'm, I'm talking about the president and, you know, they're confused at why they can't figure out why the uh, people don't see, give Biden credit for the economy. Well, no one outside of that White House bubble is confused. Everybody knows, well, you came in during the COVID and, you know, and everybody lost their job for that. And when he says, you know, I cut the deficit in half, it's like, well, no, you cut it in half from 2020, where it was when the government gave everybody all that money. But actually, your deficit spending is um, almost twice as much as it was in 2019 now. So actually, but for 2020 COVID spending, the deficit continues to expand. And that's a left and right issue, too. Republicans are guilty of it. It went up every year during the Trump administration and uh, just sky, just ballooned, you know, in 2020, which is a different thing. 888-528-2557. Are there things that we need to communicate better as a church? How good are we at communicating the good news of Jesus Christ? That Jesus died for your sins, that the spiritual angst that everybody has, the whatever the spiritual thing is that's in your heart, that you know, Jesus died for that, that the weight of guilt or the weight of anxiety or the weight, the spiritual weight that you carry around, that you're looking for a solution. And maybe you're looking for a, you know, Eastern mysticism solution, or maybe you're looking for a uh, humanitarian solution of some kind. You know, everybody is looking for some kind of spiritual solution. That's been the history of mankind. We have this great message. We have this great message that says, yeah, Everybody's been looking for this. God has promised it since the beginning of mankind that there would be a Savior. There is an entire history of a nation of Israel and an entire compendium of prophecy that points to one guy, and it points forward to that guy. And then we have another book, series of books of eyewitnesses of that guy once he came and what he did and that he rose from the grave and that he's the guy. And all of history points to that guy, and whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. What do we do that makes that hard to communicate? It's such good news. See, good news 
is is different than good advice. There's a lot of good advice. You know, on our show, we're going to give you some good advice, hopefully. Uh, you might go to a doctor for good advice or some psychologist for good advice, or you might go to a friend for good advice, and you can take it or leave it. That's the nature of advice, right? You take it or leave it. But good news is something that you can't control. It's something that's been done. It's just something that you receive and you respond to it. So, you know, when you get the when you see the news on television, you can't do anything about it. You just change it. You you just respond to it. You can't change it. You can't do it. You just respond to that news. That's what the gospel is. The gospel happened. Jesus happened. He lived a perfect life. That's the belief. He died on the cross for our sins. There are eyewitnesses, all kinds of accounts of this. And three days later, he came up. And there are hundreds of eyewitnesses throughout history. And the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are the eyewitness reports of this happening. And if Jesus rose from the grave, if he came up, well, then there's hope for us. And don't misunderstand. People need the hope that comes with knowing that death is not the end. You know, the idea that death is just the end is super depressing when you play that through. And most people don't believe that. Most people believe that something else is coming, even if they ignore it for most of their life. When they're at the end or when they get the cancer diagnosis or when they understand I'm mortal, they think, hey, I better figure this out. You know, there is an answer for that that says, hey, it's not, as, it's not about what you have done. What you needed has already been done in Jesus Christ. Are we good at this message or does it get clouded? You know, are we good at this? In Acts chapter 15, verse 19, when the church has this controversy, uh, they get together and part of the conclusion is, this is the controversy about, you know, whether or not how much of Judaism needs to be inserted into Christianity. How does this work with the gospel? And there was a lot of tension between Jews and Gentiles. And the Jews had carried the prophecies and the religious rules and the laws throughout centuries, thousands of years, and the Gentiles didn't have anything. And now we're going to meet together, and how do we do that? It's change, right? It is how do we change things? How do we—we've always been doing it this way. That's the inside thing in church, right? If if your church vision statement is we've always done it this way, that's bad, right? That That means you're not adapting to the culture. The early church had that struggle too, which, by the way, if your church is struggling or you're having some difficulty with your church, read the New Testament. It is about church struggle. Those churches were a mess. And if Paul doesn't kick them to the curb, you shouldn't kick them to the curb, right? If Jesus doesn't kick them to the curb, uh, you you don't. Jesus might kick a couple to the curb. You can read that in Revelation. But otherwise, uh, you know what? You're full of, of people who need gospel and they need repentance. Anyway, part of the conclusion was this idea. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. And, you know, that part of the conclusion, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. When you think about our faith and our our walk with the Lord, do we make it difficult for people to turn to God? Are there things that we do that just make that hard, that make it, you know, more than what it is already? You know, there is a part of turning to God that is going to involve life change. You know, I think that for a lot of people, they don't come to Jesus because they know that Jesus will, has, you know, that they get salvation, but they know that they're going to have to repent. And it's that repentance part that they don't receive. They don't want to do it. And therefore they don't receive Jesus. Okay. That's the decision. But for a lot of people, they don't come to Christianity because they've never heard Christianity. 
because they've heard political Christianity or they've heard, you know, one version of Christianity where you don't even think Jesus rose again or you hear all kinds of different things, what Christians do this, Christians do that. You know, they took a comparative religion class at their school and it was butchered as far as what Christianity is or often the other religions too. And uh, they just don't know. A lot of people, the and maybe one of you are, are listening now, the Christianity you're rejecting sometimes is not even Christianity. And I say that again, is very often what I find with people who are not believers in Jesus, who don't believe that he died and rose again from the grave, often they don't even know that you need to believe that because they've got some other belief about Jesus that either they've conjured up on their own or got tangled up with a Christian friend of theirs who really wasn't walking with the Lord or who had some kind of bad theology or bad ideas they were teaching, or they just piled all kinds of other things on it. You got to be a Christian, you got to vote this way, and then you got to believe this about these issues. I was once told I'm not a Christian because um, at the time I didn't, uh, in in the 90s, I was working for somebody, and uh, I wasn't supportive of a particular movement towards uh, 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 term limits. And uh, although I'm more supportive of that idea today, I think it ought to be the ballot box, though. That's what it's there for. Anyway, that was my opinion at the time. Man, somebody just said, I'm not a Christian because I don't believe that. And I'm looking through Leviticus, looking for term limits, term limits, term limits, and I don't see them. There are things that we pile on our faith. There are things that get in the way of opportunities to give people the gospel. There are things that get in the way of people turning to God. I think a great exercise for all of us is, are there things that we're adding to the gospel that don't need to be there? Are there things that we're saying you have to do all of these things before coming to Jesus rather than come to Jesus and then all these other things come into play? Or maybe a lot of those things never come into play because they're not that important. Just something to think about. It's something to always put out there. And I think about that with, you know, opportunities that we've got coming up. Uh, you know, one of them is uh, we're going to talk about it later in uh, coming up after the break here, the Dodgers Christian Faith and Family Night. And you know what? There there might be some reasons why you're like, oh, I don't know. But you know what? There's an opportunity there, particularly for young people who don't know the Lord, to hear the gospel presented from their sports heroes. And that's a good thing. It clarifies things. It's somebody who's not the parent and not the youth pastor. It's it's a different way to go. It's a it's a good thing. All right, I got to take a break. Uh, later this hour, we'll have Clayton Kershaw with us to talk about that. This is the Pastor Scott Show. Monday edition will be back as the Monday edition continues. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com. Or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557. What did you want to be when you grew up? Did you become that or or not? Uh, 888-528-2557. And did you find that in all of that that, you, that it's important later? I think about different things I've wanted to be. And, you know, being a radio host is on there. So I've been a pastor, been a radio host. I've been a comedian. I've done some things. There are other things that are on my list. You know, I'd like to be, if I wasn't any of these things, maybe I would be a chef. I love to cook. I I wish I could actually uh, do some of that. And uh, I think it would be fantastic. One of the things that I really wanted to do was be a, uh, a chef. And one of the things I really wanted to do was be a professional baseball player. And, you know, me and uh, some buddies, we would play wiffle ball outside all night long. 
Uh, I can't even believe the neighbors put up with that because not only did we play wiffle ball and do that all night long, but we would announce the game. You know, we were Vin Scully and all these people now batting for the Dodgers, and we would do all the stances and all the stuff, and we kept stats. We write it all down. It was it was amazing, an amazing thing. Well, you know, probably I'm not going to go pro these days, although when I look at the Oakland days, I think maybe I could. I'm kidding if you're an A's fan. There's always somebody who's going to call me on that. Hey, anyway, one of the things that's coming up here that I always enjoyed doing was the Faith and Family Night at Dodger Stadium. I know they do them at a lot of Major League ballparks. And uh, here to talk about this is Clayton Kershaw. He is a 10-time All-Star, three-time National League and Cy Young Award winner and 2014 Most Valuable Player and uh, World Series Champion in 2020. Clayton Kershaw, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, it's great to have you on. Uh, how is the shoulder? Can I ask you that as we start out? Uh, yeah, it's doing better. We're uh, we're going to start building up here soon, and you know the whole deal with starting pitchers is you got to you got to just keep building up innings. So yeah, um, after you sit out for a little bit, yeah, so we're on the up and up. We're on the you know we're on the uphill climb a bit, and should be should be back here sooner rather than later. Well, I understand that. I got a question for you. What did you want to be when you grew up? I think. I've answered that baseball player. Um, maybe first, maybe first baseman. Loved playing first base growing up. So, I think I, I think I might have had to switch positions along the way. But yeah, definitely, uh, definitely baseball was the favorite. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, that worked out for you. I was saying earlier that uh, I wanted to be a, a baseball player, but uh, that didn't work out. Except <laughs> I might be able to play for the A's. <laughs> you know, these days. Well, you know yeah. what? Uh, tell me about uh, your family. Dodgers Faith and Christian Faith and Family Day is coming up this Sunday. The game's at 1 o'clock. You know, it's a, it's a good family day. I've been to those before. You're, you know, how old are your kids? you got four kids now. Yeah, we got four. Our oldest is a daughter. She's eight. And then the three boys are six, three, and one. So uh, it's a lot of fun. This, this summer has been a lot of fun, especially kind of a rock star and traveling around with us and so we've gotten to see some cool cities we just did a a road trip from seattle to new york to baltimore to texas back to la so um it was nice to get back home last night and sleep on our own bed but uh great memories for the kids especially my oldest too and getting to take my oldest son to the baseball field now and kind of let him hang around some of the guys and uh have some of those interactions that um i think now or be he's old enough now to have those memories and um, that's that's special, man. That's that's yeah. why you get to hang around as a dad in the game, and uh, it's been a new new thing for me, and it's been awesome. That's really cool. You know, when you think of uh, yourself as a dad, you know, you're always going to be dad to your kids beyond uh, wherever your career takes you in baseball. What's what are your biggest hopes for your kids? Maybe biggest concerns these days for your kids as a dad? Well, you know, I I think obviously we have so many concerns nowadays of what um, can happen to one of our kids and, um, just everything starting younger, everything is starting, um, just at such a young age with mm. different technologies, with the phones, with all these different things. And so my wife and I talk about it as best we can, and I don't know if there's any right answer, but I think the best thing for us is just try to be as together as a family, um, as much as we can, you know, and, um, obviously as they get older, their outside influences will be more and more prevalent on their lives. So hopefully be surrounding ourselves with people that um, will teach them the values that we would want them to teach and families with that would do the same. Um, and at the same time, getting them out of their comfort zone, I think has been great. And I think that's, what's been fun about this baseball trip is 
they've gotten to see so many different cities. They've gotten to be in so many different places and see how different different types of people uh, handle their days. And I, I just think that uh, that's invaluable life lessons too, because uh, you know we don't want to live um, in a bubble. We want to see what's out there, and we want to be able to to help where we can. And so um, I think all those different factors. But ultimately, man, just being with them, spending time with them, and um, trying to raise them to be uh, men of God, really, the most important thing. You know, and that's awesome. You know, I've got two kids. They're 14 and 11. And, you know, I'll tell you what, it goes fast. It goes super fast. You start to, you don't want to do it, but you start counting the the days, you know, pretty soon. You know, how did you come to faith in Christ? Uh, You know, it was the typical, like, family went to church all the time, and I didn't really want to be there. And uh, You were were drugged to church. You had a drug problem. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, um, Really, that happened, and I'm thankful for the community I grew up in. I still live there now. That's a, The church culture is still a big part there, and um, it was kind of like that's just what you did. You went to church, which I think is great, but at some point you have to make it your own, and you have to start asking questions, and if you have to start um, really kind of diving into the Word and figuring out what this Jesus person meant in your life, and is, is it true? Is his story true? And if his story is true, how does that affect your life? And so I, I kind of went through those questions. Uh, probably sophomore, junior high school, I would say was like kind of the bigger transition in my life and, um, really started making my faith my own and, um, really trying to understand what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. And, um, yeah, I just tried to progress from there as best you can. You're listening to the Pastor Scott show. My guest is Dodger pitcher Clayton Kershaw. You're, you know, do you have an opportunity to talk about faith with your kids? Do you feel like they're getting old enough to uh, have those conversations with you and your wife, your wife, Ellen, and uh, you um, You also have a foundation that you're doing a lot of good stuff with? Yeah, I think it's I think it's all-encompassing. You know, obviously you want to talk about it, and you want to tell them what we believe, why we believe, and get those seeds planted in their heads, and uh, hopefully they can kind of come to it on their own or have different questions for us, which they do. They have a lot of great questions that – I can't necessarily answer all the time. Charlie asked me today, who made God? And I was like, well, you know, Charlie, that's a big question. I'm not sure if I can answer that for you right now. But, uh, you know, just different stuff like that that's uh, that's been really fun and uh, really good for their brains and their souls to think about. And um, I think the foundation really helps with that, too, because we get to get to be a part of some, some of these different organizations that are doing some amazing things around our communities um, that we get to be a part of, and we get to tell them why we get to be a part of this. And um, they take ownership of that. They love being there. They love helping and to the few things that they've gotten to go to. And um, this backpack giveaway that we're about to do at the Dream Center here in L.A., they, uh, they're always huge into that. They love being able to hand out backpacks, and it's just, uh, it's just a really cool day all the way around. It's so important to bring your kids to that. Your, your foundation is called the Kershaw's Challenge. Is it a foundation? Is that what you call it? Uh, our nonprofit, nonprofit is Kershaw's Challenge. So we have a 501c3 called Kershaw's Challenge where, you know, we raise money for different beneficiaries across the country, even around the world. And then every year we, uh, you know, imber- uh, reimburse uh, or distribute all the money and start at zero again and find different beneficiaries. That's kind of our model. And then, um, yeah, Kershaw Foundation is just the and I's private foundation that we, we use if we see something that we, we feel really called to give to. Well, thank you for doing that. I think it's a, a great ministry, a great way to leverage uh, what God has blessed you with in Major League Baseball and for your family. I know it matters uh, tremendously to bring your kids uh, to that, to be a part of that with you and your wife. 
you said that you you really made your faith your own in uh, high school, high school age. Coming up this Sunday is uh, Dodgers Faith and Family, Christian Faith and Family Night. And, you know, I think that my experience in being a pastor for a lot of years and with my own kids and going myself is there's something great about this event because your your kids or maybe somebody who's struggling with faith, they get to hear the gospel from somebody who's not related to you, maybe somebody they look up to. Yeah, and I think that's the coolest part, too, is uh, we're going to have our chaplain, Brandon Cash, is going to be there to kind of oversee and help, help us ask questions to get us started, because obviously we're not pastors, and that's not our strong suit. Um, we can't give any sermons, and um, but I think being real and honest about our walks as Christian men that happen to play baseball uh, is relatable, because I think um, I, in all facets of our jobs, of our lives, um, there's different things with the Christian faith that we might not be, um, we might need help with. You know, and, you know, it's for me, if like I've been on a road trip for 10 days and it's been late nights, early morning, game after game and haven't been able to read my Bible or just something like that. It's like everybody can relate to something. That's a challenge. And um, I think having us come up there, some of the baseball guys and just kind of explaining how how much of a blessing it is to be able to play baseball and the platform that we've been given to be able to talk about Jesus, but also kind of how we handle the day to day struggles and the pressures, because you know, for a lot of these young guys, it's, you know, it's make or break every time they go up to the plate and or every time they throw a pitch and um, how they handle that and how they use their face to handle that. Um, I know a lot of people are going through a lot more life or death situations in the world, too, that can maybe we can help with that as well. I think uh, that that story, it's something that I want people to think about. They can get tickets on uh, Dodgers.com, the Major League Baseball website for Sunday's game. It's the Christian Faith and Family Day at Dodger Stadium. Sunday, the game's at 110 against the Reds. And uh, there'll be pre- and post-game performances, so people should know that post-game programming is going to be hosted by team chaplain Brandon Cash. And player testimonials and Jeremy Camp will be singing before and after. So you need to get there early. Uh, gates will open a couple hours ahead. What are you looking forward to the most for Sunday? Well, this is probably the biggest one we're going to have because we're going to have uh, giveaways. We're going to have hats with uh, like a, a little cross logo and a John 316. So we have a giveaway now. We have Jeremy Camp obviously performing, who's an amazing Christian artist who I'm really excited to hear. And um, So it's it's going to be bigger and better than it has in years past. And um, Ultimately, I think for me just being able to hear some of my teammates go up there it's not an easy thing for some people you know being a christian is sometimes very um quiet for a lot of people they don't necessarily want to have it out in the world and i think it's a big step for a lot of us and so i'm really excited for for them to be able to profess their faith talk about it um maybe comment on some of the struggles that they've had and how they've overcome them in the game and um potentially help help maybe one or two people in the, in the stands. That's, that's the goal. And that's, uh, that's an exciting thing to be a part of. I think that's uh, really fantastic. My guest is Clayton Kershaw. Dodgers Christian Faith and Family Day is this Sunday. Uh, Clayton, how can we best pray for you and your family and for this event on Sunday? Yeah, I think just praying for the event and making it, um, what, making it be how God would want it to be. You know, we don't want to take it in any different ways. We don't want anybody else to get the uh, the glory or get any uh, type of, you know, good job or anything like this. This is only for um, so God's name can be spoken and that people can hear it and that maybe we can bring a few people closer to him. 
All right. Well, my guest is Clayton Kershaw. Clayton, I want to thank you for being here with me. And uh, before you go, I just want to pray for you and the event. And uh, I'm reminded, and I have this temptation, but my youth pastor growing up uh, got in trouble, and he got in trouble by my dad, who was the pastor, because during church, he prayed for the Dodgers to win their games. (laughs) And I'm tempted, but I I won't do that as much as a fan uh, as I am. But let let me pray for you. Uh, God, thank you for Clayton and for his wife, Ellen, for their kids and how you've blessed their life. Thank you that you're using him to leverage all of that for the sake of others in so many ways through his charities. And we pray for this Sunday that this event would be one that is life-changing for people who go, that people who are listening now would be thinking, I should bring somebody who you've brought to to mind or maybe bring themselves to get some hope, to get a perspective from uh, somebody who they look up to in a different way uh, because they share their faith in this way. I pray that you uh, uh, just be with Clayton and his family uh, and uh, everybody who will be participating in this on Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen. Clayton, thanks for being with us today on the Pastor Scott Show. Looking forward to seeing you back on the mound soon. Okay, appreciate it. Thank you, man. All right, God bless you. All right, my guest is Clayton Kershaw. Christian Faith and Family Night is this Sunday, July 30th. The game is at 110. You can get tickets at dodgers.com. And uh, you can uh, get there early. Jeremy Camp will be singing before the uh, game and also after the game. And after the game, there's post-game programming hosted by Teen Chaplain Brandon Cash. And there'll be player testimonials and uh, another Jeremy Camp musical performance. This is the Pastor Scott Show Monday edition. We'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Uh, I know several of you uh, tried to call to talk to Clayton Kershaw. It wasn't that kind of an interview. Most of the time we can, but we only had him for a few minutes here. You know, one of the things that you have to do, I think it's a, it's important to recognize that what we're actually called to do, our purpose, and I think about this a lot because we get so off track with it is you know one of the reasons that God keeps us on this planet is so that we can let other people know about Christ so that we can you know the reason that we are here is to make disciples that's the reason as Christians that we are here if you're not a Christian you're here to come to Christ and to hear the gospel and to respond to it to get saved to realize your sins are forgiven that you are going to be perfected but you're not going to be perfect and because you're not perfect you need a savior that's the idea is that you know, I think we have that, I like to call it spiritual angst, because some people get into spiritualism, but other people, maybe they don't believe in God, but they still have a an angst of some kind where they need to develop their faith, they, or they need, to, they need to do something to have purpose, to have meaning. You know, for us, we want to make sure that we focus, and what I hope to do on our show every day is help us focus on even the things of this world, the things that are in the news, we talk about those things and we talk about them from different perspectives and things. But at the end of the day, the reason that it matters, the reason that we can digest things of the that are going on in the news and the things that happen is because we have a greater purpose. And the purpose is to minister to the people that God has placed in our life, to disciple those people. Some of those people are saved, right? You, you invest in those people so they grow in their faith. And some of those people are not saved. 
hopefully you've got people in your life who weren't saved, right? If you don't, you need to go get some non-Christian friends. Um, and you invest in them. You pray for them. You hope that they get saved. Because I think that when we stand before Jesus one day, that's the measure of things in our life is how did we do with the Great Commission, what we were commissioned to do. And I want to remind you, uh, and I, it's a reminder for myself as well, that God has placed people in our life. And they are our neighbors. They're our coworkers. They're classmates. They are people that you interact with on a regular basis who are part of your life, who I really believe that God's plan for them and their salvation and their growth is uh, in part through you, whatever your part is, that you're you're there to cast, to throw the seeds and and that you're there intentionally, that it's providential. And many of you have that that experience where suddenly somebody is in your life who has something in common with you or they they interact with you or they come to you for some reason at work uh, to share their problems with. Are you that person? I was that person. That's one of the reasons I, I was arguing with God about getting into the ministry when I was uh, young. I was working at Circuit City. Remember that place? They used to sell TVs and used to have the blazer on and, uh, you know. Anyway, a funny thing happened to me in that store all the time is people would come up to me like they're going to buy a TV or buy a video camera or a computer or something. And it was commission, right? So you, you need to sell in order to make money and pay the rent. And if somebody was coming in who was lonely, who just needed somebody to talk to, I was the guy they'd pick every time. And everybody else working there would make fun of me for that. Uh, and it was kind of funny, right, is that I'm going up to this person who I think is going to buy a big screen TV and I'm going to, you know, sell them on a five-year warranty and I'm going to make some money. And uh, they just want to tell me all of their problems. And they are not there to buy a TV at all. And uh, I really struggled with the Lord because I felt like he was doing that to me on purpose. <laughs> and I think he was. And uh, eventually I gave in to that. I mean, I didn't like really resent it. I liked those people and stuff. It's just like, I'm happy to, you know, talk to you about your, your marriage, but do you, maybe this TV will help your marriage. You know, it wasn't really a good argument. Um, God is placing you in situations where people that are around you are ready to trust you with your faith. Um, you might've heard the term oikos before. It's a Greek word. It means household, but it means relational world. And everybody's got one. Your relational world is typically eight or 15 people, and they uh, are people that are in your life. So that if you told them, if you want to know who those people are, who's in your oikos, if you had an opportunity to come on this show or go on television or have some kind of public appearance where you get to stand up and share your faith, there, you know, everybody, most people listening to you, they don't know one way or the other. But there's a handful of people who know if you really mean it. There's a handful of people who know you well enough because of their proximity to you in an everyday life situation where they know. Even your next door neighbors who you may or may not know in our culture today, but they know what time you're getting home. They know if you're yelling at your spouse. They understand if you've got a drinking problem. They know. I mean, I used to live by people and I know they had a dope problem and it wasn't hard to tell because we had to close all of our windows and otherwise we would have a dope problem, right? You know stuff about your neighbors. Uh, that is just the reality. That group of people, that's your oikos. That's where God has planted you to be the light, to be the person that people will turn to for hope in a time of need, the person that is there to where you should be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have. What I would hope that you do 
as you think about these things, is that with the tensions of the world and the controversies and the things that we have that occupy our mind that we have to address, that as citizens of this country right now, there are so many things that we have got to speak out to and address, that at the same time, we don't lose the fact that it's far more important that somebody comes to Christ than they just vote differently. It's far more important that they come to Christ than they just get off the drugs or whatever their problem is. And it's great if they get off the drugs. It's great if they come to realization about how the world is, right? All that is good. But at the end of the day, people are going to spend eternity somewhere. And whether we're comfortable with that notion or not, people are going to spend eternity somewhere and stand before the Lord. And the thing that people need to know is that Jesus died for them, that the answer to the question, when you say, why should you have everlasting life? Why should I forgive your sins? Whatever question might be asked, when you stand before the Lord. The answer, as Alistair Begg once said, uh, it doesn't begin with I. It begins with Jesus. It begins with I get this because, or I just said I. It's hard not to say I, right? But it begins with eternal life should be given to, should be given because Jesus died for my sins, because Jesus paid the penalty for my sins, because he rose again promising eternal life, and I accept that promise is true. You you have this message that you can give people, and there are opportunities. Maybe it's the Dodgers Faith and Family Night. A lot of controversy with the Dodgers and stuff, you know, this year. But, hey, you know what? There's an opportunity also to say this is a place where people are going to hear the testimony of imperfect people, people who need a Savior just like them, but you never know. I know people who have gone to events like this and have left saved because they heard the gospel in a way that the Lord used in a particular way. Maybe that's just church this Sunday. Maybe that is just you taking somebody to coffee and you sharing the reason for the hope that you have. Can I just encourage you that God has created you for that purpose? And because he's created you for that purpose, you'll be successful when you just do what God's called you to do. This is the Pastor Scott Show. You can get the podcast at kkla.com or go wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We're on every day from 3 to 5. God bless you, everybody. Pastor Scott Furrow, I'll see you tomorrow from 3 to 5 tonight. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.